Welcome once again, connoisseurs on the ropes, where we talk about wrestling for a little bit and just have a fun time doing it. And I don't know if you can... Hey, Trey, do you smell that? Uh, I don't smell anything, actually. Do you, smell, actually. It? Do you no. smell it? No. That, 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 that is the smell that says WrestleMania is in the air. Woo! Because we're just removed from Elimination Chamber, meaning that the next stop on the road to WrestleMania is WrestleMania. WrestleMania. So, as you, you, are, you already heard him. You heard him. You love him. It's Trey. It's, what's up, y'all? <laughs> and we're at, we have a jam slam packed show. We got a lot to talk about today, don't we? I had Elimination Chamber. The Raw after was really um, uh, productive. Had a lot going on. Uh, we're not even going to touch on last week's SmackDown because even though there was some good stuff, it would just be we don't have enough time. It all builds into the chamber anyway. So, and we got some news stories that we want to cover, especially one news story in particular. But we'll close with that one before getting into the chamber. But I really only have one other story. There were there, there were a lot of stories, but not a lot of them really caught my attention. But one thing that I do think was pretty interesting was Mercedes Monet, who is uh, the former Sasha Banks, ha- had her first match with New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, fighting Kyrie Sane. Uh, I don't know if you remember seeing any videos of her when she was still in WWE. I don't she, actually. She was called the Pirate Princess, and she would literally come out in like this adorable like pirate gear, but still really badass. Sounds awesome. I'm known to love uh, pirate gimmicks when it comes to when it comes to wrestlers. That's cool. Yes, That's he awesome. does I definitely. Do. Yeah, well, which I still need to introduce you to Pirate Paul Burchill. That was that was a wild like couple months. But any and all pirate content, feel free to send my way. That sounds awesome. But no pirated content. Yeah, don't get right. don't be don't be mistaken. We don't must... send us pirated content and tell us that it's pirated. Okay. Yes. I want I want to be blissfully ignorant to that. But Mercedes Monet had her first match challenging the IWGP Women's Champion, Kyrie Sane. Her first match in New Japan won the belt. Mm. So she is now, by definition, the top woman in Japan right now. Now, how long has she been with New Japan? That's my Not question. Not long. She made her first appearance in January, and this was just over the weekend. So, so this was her first match. With the company, and I'm gonna be honest. Like, have, have, did you see the video of her uh, debut? I believe so. I'm not, I'm not, she, I think I, if I'm thinking of the right she thing, she came out so. like in her ring gear, but like in high heels, and goes into the ring and hits hits Kyrie Sane with some sort of new finisher. I think it's supposed to be like Kyrie Sane's on her knees, and she kind of whips around and then gets in a DDT position and knocks her in with a DDT. I'll have to show it to you because it's really hard to describe. Especially because she botched the hell out of it. Mm. Like, she did not get any of it. And it's the only, the first and only thing that we saw of her uh, in New Japan. So, I love Sasha. And she, she, if you look at her, if you see her in interviews, she has an incredible heart. Uh, Mercedes, I should call her now. But... From what I heard about the match, too, it was a, it was a banger. I, I heard. I did hear match. it was an incredible banger. So yes. that show, so she made up for it. Like even though she messed up on her first appearance, she definitely made up for it. And this has been her dream, apparently. Like she's 
always wanted to be in Japanese. She kind of makes it sound like she wants to be in Japanese wrestling more than she wanted to be in WWE. Like, apparently Japanese wrestling was her first love. I don't know if she's just saying that because she's with New Japan now. Yeah. But she really showed a passion for it. So, I, I hope she goes far with it. Do you think she will be back with WWE in the span of uh, two years? Um, yeah, definitely. I know that she'll be good in Japan, but honestly, I don't see Japan making her as big of a star as she was in WWE. When she comes back, that's going to be... Oh. Oh, yeah. Absolutely insane. Oh, it's going to be so good. Now, the only other news story we have is one that we've been surveying very closely and that I've been really excited to talk about on the show because we've already talked about it um, like away from away from the mics fairly often because we're just very interested in it. It is the current rivalry between Tony Khan and Ariel Helwani. I pronounced that right, Helwani? I believe so, yes. And I've definitely been waiting to talk about this too because I have very passionate, impassioned opinions about this. Uh, the thing is, I knew nothing about subject. Ariel Helwani until he just recently started getting into WWE stuff. Because, you know, he's is he exclusively MMA or does he do other, do, do other sports too? Because he, what I was going to say is you're the one who introduced me to him. He is a combat sports journalist by definition. So he covers MMA, he covers boxing, Bellator, all that type of stuff. He has just recently started... He's just recently started getting into WWE. And they correct. have given him, because he's such a huge reporter, they've already given him such a, uh, such a push, if a reporter could be given a push. And part of the reason for that, too, is because he is, uh, he's not sure if he's from Montreal. I know he's Canadian. I think he, he is, is from, from Montreal. Montreal as well. He is from Montreal. I'll and actually so, get into that. Later. And so he obviously was at going to be in attendance for SmackDown and the Chamber event that just held in Montreal anyways. But since he had started covering WWE more, you know, figured it would give the fans a good pop to see him there. They decided to have him on camera with a mic, cutting a couple promos before some of the matches. And yeah. And apparently... the, I, I first saw him, the first thing I saw him do with WWE was um, his. he did backstage interviews with both Royal Rumble winners, had a Ariel Helwani Meets episode with Sami Zayn, where he just like chatted with Sami Zayn for like the better part of an hour. Mm. And it was just an incredible conversation. The most... And uh, again, you're the one who introduced me to him. But honestly, because of you... Everything WWE related that has his name on it, I am watching. Because the way he's able to take a genuine person out of everyone he's interviewing, almost everyone he's interviewing, and to be able to get such great <laughs> yeah. stories. Almost. And um, like I saw him do one with Cody Rhodes. I saw him talk to Rhea Ripley, both Rumble winners. And they were just incredible. And he's so soft-spoken. He's his... He's as gentle as a lamb, I would say, when it comes to how he talks to people. But he's like such a personable individual. Which is so ironic, too, because a lot of fighters, boxers, mixed martial artists have considered Ariel to be a bit abrasive in the past. Mm -hmm. Someone that can easily stir up frustration in someone they're interviewing. But over time, over the course of time... That's kind of died down. In fact, Ariel has a ongoing, long-running beef with UFC President Dana White. Mm -hmm. And for a long time there, he was banned from even attending UFC press conference events because of how many pushing and hard-hitting questions he would be asking that Dana White didn't want to answer. Yeah. So the notion that he's not a impartial, hard-hitting journalist is just 
insane to me, but we'll we'll get into and that. Just so, and, 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 and I guess that's a great way to dive into, I, just to make sure that we are properly covering this whole thing, I have a full rundown of everything that has happened up till today, because just yesterday, more installments happened. This has been going on since, like, around this time last week. So, it all started, like you said um, earlier, um, Ariel was at Elimination Chamber, he was on the pre-show panel, and he was in the audience. Let's actually take it a bit further. Um, it's all started technically three, four, five months ago. I don't remember when it was. Um, Ariel Are you talking actually- about the Tony Khan interview? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we can start with that. Ariel actually had Tony Khan on his show, and this was, I mean either days or weeks removed from the CM Punk incident and the press conference incident following what was the event title for I it's it's escaping me I can't remember You're talking about the one where Punk went off and, and everything? He was he was beefing and shooting on the Young Bucks maybe it yep, was. Yep, 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 yeah. Well, although he he was shooting on the Young Bucks, yeah. I can't remember what the event was. I that, that I press think it was, was all for. out. All Out. Correct. That's what it was, yes. It was the infamous All Out Media Scrum. That's it. The All mm-hmm. Out Media Scrum. We were, I mean, days or weeks removed from that media uh. scrum where CM Punk obviously went on a 15-minute rant and got himself fired. I'm old and after, I'm tired and I deal with fucking children. Yeah. <laughs> got himself removed from the company at least indefinitely after that went down. And then some sort of backstage but there are rumors well. that he's coming back. Yeah. There have been rumors that he's coming back ever since he left. Well, apparently, you know, as any any decent journalist would do, when Ariel had Tony Khan on for the interview, he was asking pretty pressing questions about that situation. He was asking questions about what was what's your relationship like with CM Punk right now? Do you foresee CM Punk being back with the company anytime soon? What about the other people that were involved in the incident? Hard-hitting questions. Like, hard-hitting questions. He's not just addressing it like it's some sort of wrestling story. He is actually getting to the meat and potatoes of it, or at least trying to. Yeah, and every question that he would ask that was of some sort of decent substance to Tony Khan was immediately met every single time with, I can't speak on that, or I'm not going to talk about that, or I can't disclose that information. You know, just... And, and and that interview happens, and then a couple of days later, Ariel is making note of how that interview has just come out. Go listen to it. But he says, I will say that Tony Khan interview was one of the most frustrating interviews I've ever done. He didn't want to talk about anything, yada, yada, yada. And then we flash forward three or so months to Friday Night SmackDown. Yeah, and he was at, and I actually think, was he at Elimination Chamber first? I think he was, I think he was at Elimination Chamber first. He was at the Friday Night SmackDown before Elimination. He was. Chamber. Oh, yeah. okay, man, mm-hmm. it goes even further back. Okay, you're a lot more well versed in this so, like, story. No, than these I were like this was the day ap- one day after the other. That Friday Night SmackDown, right, Saturday right, Night Chamber. Right, yeah, he was at both. And he also narrated a, a video package too. Yes, f- talking about WWE's history with Montreal. And he's done that. He's done that in the past too. He did that as recently as Extreme Rules. Uh, this past year, he narrated a video package for WWE. Yeah. That's not something that's new to him. So yeah, but yeah, continue. But him appearing on Elimination Chamber and being so heavily involved with WWE when they were in Montreal, his hometown, um, hometown. Is Montreal a country or a city or? It's a city in the province of Quebec. 
Quebec, I believe. See, the fact that you can say three things and mean one location, <laughs> like you list three things in a row, like Montreal, Quebec, Canada, I'm like, that's way too much. Think Brooklyn, New York City, New York State, USA. That's kind of like the equivalent of that, I would say. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. But he was there, and Tony Khan saw him in a, not just a, the rival company for AEW. He just starts getting all getting all shaky and ends up putting on Twitter, you're a fraud, Ariel, Ariel Helwani. You're as legitimate of a reporter as Tony Schiavone. That's a, you, you mentioned, and that's the thing, you mentioned with air quotes around the word rival. Just to put it in perspective, I just saw this as well when we were recording this. These just came out. Friday Night Ratings. Yeah. SmackDown. 2,383,000. Right. I believe I got that number right. AEW Rampage, airing that same night. 287,000. That is yep. 10 times difference. <laughs> there is no rivalry when it comes to... Not trying to be a mark, but there is no rivalry when it comes to these two No, companies. no, there is... Not even close. If I started talking, like, we're just talking about this specific thing with Ariel Helwani, but I can talk about Tony Khan himself for a long time because that man knows nothing, nothing about the wrestling business. No. He is a little, like, billionaire son who his daddy's able to give him some money and say, hey, go out and get you a nice little toy. And he bought a wrestling company as his toy. And now he's just moving the little pieces around. He's making his action figures do all the matches that he wants, not even coming up with a story, just like, oh, let me put all this together on the fly. And he, he knows nothing about the business aspect of wrestling. And I'm not going to stand here and say that I do, but he just, he's completely out of his league. Like, he didn't, he didn't even take time to get one show good. Like, Dynamite was first. He should have perfected Dynamite, really made something good out of it, and then add more shows. Now there's like five AEW shows and no one watches any of them. And the problem with AEW is it's not it's not for lack of characters, it's not for lack of personalities, it's for lack of good story. If there any of those one... folks were in any other company, they would be thriving right now. Absolutely. I can think of I'm not, I can think of a few off the top of my head that I think if WWE had them, they would be superstars within months. Whereas they're suffering in AEW because of the lack of good storytelling, but AEW so ends up focusing too much on like the comedy acts and the um, novelty acts and the um, uh, old acts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and, or, and the ex WWE crowd. If you're an ex WWE guy, immediate champion, and that's exactly what happened with TNA Impact so many years ago too. It's just there's just no. There's no rivalry there. There just yeah. there never has been, and at this rate, I don't know if there ever will be. The only, I mean, it just it's not on the same level as some of the earlier promotions back in the day that tried to go toe to toe with WWE. It's not there yet. Well, all that to say, the most recent update on the Ariel Helwani thing. There's a lot to it, and if you're listening and don't know the whole backstory of it, just look up Tony Khan Ariel Helwani, and I promise you, you will find like 50 headlines. Mm. But either way. There's been a... The latest installment was... As of recording time, yesterday. So have you been caught up to everything that happened yesterday? I am not actually fully caught up, I don't believe. I I did hear Ariel's appearance on a podcast that I'm not sure if you're going to refer to. 
But if that's what you're talking about, then yes, I am caught up on that. Is it the MMA hour? It is the MMA hour. Then yes. Okay, then yes, I'm caught up. Well, either way, I just, I ended up finding, courtesy of Inside the Ropes, I end up finding the transcript of it. But do you remember pretty much what he said? Well, a lot of what he was talking about was he was discussing his role with WWE in the past and in the present. And he had always told himself, ever since he started venturing a little bit more into pro wrestling, that he wasn't going to be somebody who was going to choose sides or accept money to do something for another company. In fact, the Extreme Rules package that he cut didn't get paid for that, didn't accept any money. But this opportunity presented itself in his hometown. The hype was incredible. Hometown kid was perhaps going to win the belt. He said, life's too short. I'm not going to turn this opportunity down. If they want to pay me to do this, I'll do it without getting paid. But I want to be on camera. I would have, I'd be happy to do this. I'd be happy to show up, you know, have my presence felt there. He didn't even know he was going to be on camera until the day of the show. Yeah. But, yeah, it seems to me that Ariel didn't really know it would turn into this. I don't. Th- I, I mean, how would he have known? But it, it seems to me that all he was trying to do was show up do his thing in his hometown and that was going to be that probably didn't expect to catch a tweet in the middle of the show from Tony Khan but yeah things happen so that's a <laughs> we're both pretty uh passionate about that story because there's a lot of, there's a whole lot I can say about Tony Khan so this is just another I mean you you even told me when this news broke that Tony Khan just outright attacking Ariel Helwani on Twitter was the straw the, that broke the camel's back for you when you said, well, that's it. There goes any remote interest I had in AEW. Because you were trying. You were really trying to get involved and a little more connected with what's going on in AEW. And then as soon as that happened, because you were already on thin ice with Tony just seeing him in the eye of the wrestling world. But then as soon as this happens, you're like, nope, that's it. And how many other people feel that exact same way? Especially with how dedicated of a following Ariel Helwani has. You see, my problem has never been specifically with AEW yeah. or the wrestlers involved in AEW. Like, I think MJF is an absolute superstar. I keep track of everything he does every single week, every show. I mean, it doesn't help that he's like the most entertaining thing on that show, and Absolutely. it's not even close. Arguably the most entertaining thing in wrestling right now. He's fantastic. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just how Tony tries to portray himself irks me because you can try to portray yourself as a tough guy, as a big, bad, you know, boss man type of dude, and that's cool. You can try to portray yourself as the cool boss, the laid back guy, the more, you know, go with the flow, whatever happens, happens. It's when you try to portray yourself as both. That makes no sense to me because where was that kind of vigor and anger and you know, just absolute, I'm not having this type of attitude when CM Punk was going absolutely ballistic at the press conference that he had for Ariel Hawani. You know what I mean? It's just, you can't be both. You're either one or the other. It doesn't really make sense. And it it just all, so much of what he does seems fake to me. And again, I don't, obviously I can't say that's for sure because I don't know him personally, but so much of what he does just seems 
disingenuous. Yeah. Fake. He's a piss poor booker. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's there's not much about Tony Khan that I personally like other than the fact that he brought AEW to life, that he made it what it is. And it is still an impressive entity on its own. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. But AEW would absolutely be will be much more likely to run in direct competition with WWE if anyone other than Tony Khan ran it. If Tony Khan, like, all he has to do is realize this and then say, okay, I'll let somebody who knows what they're doing take the reins of this and I can just kind of be in the background kind of helping creatively or whatever. But get somebody who has experience in the wrestling business and experience booking shows. And honestly... Probably one of the uh, agents that are backstage that he keeps poaching from WWE and Hall of Famers. If one could, of them could do it. If Tony could get an Eric Bischoff type of guy to go, and that's help, what I'm getting at. To help run the to help run the hell, show. There just is get Bischoff. Too, there, for, for real, <laughs> there's too much talent on that roster. There's too much potential to have some of your biggest stars not feature on every show, or to have some of your features your biggest stars get buried. It's just, there's too much potential. But, like, at the same time, like, I mean, I'm kind of going back on my own words here. But if not somebody who's been in the business for a long time, like an Eric Bischoff type, at least somebody who is in close relation to the business, maybe a recognizable name, that is fluent enough in the business that they're, you know, they can build themselves up to be the next Bischoff, you know? Yeah. So someone that has that skill set who can take this and get the right people around them and, you know, actually start becoming. Because I was just thinking over here, we mentioned Eric Bischoff. Is there anyone after Bischoff's era that we bring up when it comes to, oh, get him to book it? Because Bischoff was what? I mean, that was, he was running TNA back in what? And he was back in WWE until like 06. Yeah. He, He came back around 2003 and stayed to like maybe 06. I might have that timeline completely off, but I don't know. We need some sort of like superhero in the world of booking to come down from the heavens and save AEW because I I want to like it so bad. I really want to like it. Yeah, I'm just worried that all their biggest stars are eventually going to find out they could do better other places and then... I'm sure some of them already know that. Yeah, they're just kind of locked into these contracts they want to be a part of. Also, but- Tony, Con- Tony Khan pays well. For being, I mean, he's yeah, he's yeah. a rich, he's a rich man. He is a rich man. He can afford sure, to pay his I'm, talent. I'm sure most of the money goes to Chris Jericho, but I'm sure he has a little bit left over to give wealthy salaries to the others as well, and for other things. <laughs> what other things? Let's move on. We'll, we'll talk about we'll... <laughs> Ariel called him Snowman for a reason. So. <laughs> Also, one thing I didn't get to touch on when he in his his initial tweet he said you're worse than Tony Shia you're you're a less like reputable reporter or whatever than Tony Schiavone. I'm like, dude, Tony Schiavone works for you. You sign his paychecks. Why are you lashing out at Ariel Helwani and burying one of your most experienced employees? It's one of the things Ariel was pointing out too. He's like, I feel bad for Tony. Like, what did he do? Like, he's just sitting at home on a Friday night, probably enjoying a nice dinner, and he's gonna get. He's like, he's like, he's like, I'm going to shoot you in the foot, and I'm gonna shoot me in the foot too. Exactly. 
but it's all right. Let's get. It doesn't make any sense, but yeah, we can talk uh, about that. For yeah, days. let's. That could be a podcast all of its own. All right, elimination chamber results because I was very excited for the chamber. I know we talked about our excitement last episode, and now it's time to see if our predictions came to light and any other crazy. Did you, did you write our predictions down? I did not. Do okay. you remember what you predicted? I, though I remember everything. I mean, I, I feel like I remember too. And they, anyone listening can fact check us because it's on our last episode. So, <laughs> all right, we had the women's elimination chamber: Carmella versus Liv versus Oscar, Natalia, Nikki, and Raquel. I believe that's everybody. And I, I remember telling you uh, last episode. Oscar's winning this, and it's not even close. Yeah, that was kind of a given, I guess. I mean, we... yeah. Well, she she debuts this new character, and she has a whole new facet to her character. She's a psychotic kind of just more of a scary kind of psycho than the fierce kind of psycho she's been. I can't find good words to put on it, but it's clearly a totally different Oscar, hearkening back to her indie days. And Oscar's always on fire. And it's awesome that her winning this actually gave her, I don't know if you saw this, the uh, distinction that she is the first woman to win the Royal Rumble, Money in the Bank, and Elimination Chamber. I did not know that. She's the first woman to win all three of those since they introduced those shows in the last few years. Wow. So, yeah, well, I mean... She is on fire right now, I will say. You're you're exactly right. Yeah. You, You got to watch the show, and I didn't. So what was the match like? It was a decent... It was a decent match. It was... It was definitely... Not the highlight of the night. It wasn't really close. It was very short for a chamber match. I will say that. Right. They, Man, bear, they even they, in the they, elimination they, chamber, the women's matches get the shaft. I I personally think Liv went out a little too early, and she went out by passing out. Um, Just play devil's advocate here. Why do you love what? What? Why do? You, why are you such a big Liv fan? I'm not necessarily You're huge not? on Liv. No, I just think oh, that she's okay. a little... Okay, Compared to some I was of the really other... about to like kind of pick your brain because honestly, I have not cared about Liv for a while. I was one of those who like, I was rooting for her to get the title solely because I, I love an underdog. I don't don't specifically love Liv. I just love an underdog story. Absolutely. Then it happened and I thought, this is her chance to really become a champ. It's gone. Yeah. So it didn't really but yeah continue i don't mean to keep cutting you off <laughs> no you're good and, and i mean it was not a bad performance from her by any she just got she was one of the first ones out i can't remember who went out first who was it that went out first we had carmella we had nikki we had Liv. we had oscar we had raquel who am i missing who's the other one nikki i said nikki you said nikki yeah. Um. oscar carmella Liv. natalia natalia that was it was Natalia the first one? I think Natalia was the first one to get knocked out. Well, that's a actually. dirty thing to do in her hometown. I, I don't want to, I don't know for sure, but that that <laughs> sounds familiar. And it is dirty to do that to her in her hometown. She was one of the first ones in. It was her and Liv. Of course, because you got to get that Montreal pop to yes. start the night. They knew what they were doing. Her and Liv were the ones that started off the match. And when Oscar came in last, you you could tell where it was going. Like you could tell. One thing I did hear about the show is that during the women's elimination chamber, how like people were really hot for Natalia when she came out, but then when she was in the match, the crowd was surprisingly silent, including all the things she was doing. She was doing some brutal stuff, like pressing like one of the one of the ladies, I forget who it was, pressing her face like against the chamber. Yeah, Liv, and, like, Liv's it, face almost Liv's went face, through the and it and, and it was seeing like her face coming through it and how crazy it was, and the crowd surprisingly like wasn't reacting for it. The crowd so, went mild. Yeah, yeah, there were some that they there were. I heard there were a couple moments that are gonna be 
on the highlight reels for sure. But the crowd at the time, just it's one of those that kind of pipe crowd noise into to make it seem bigger than it was. Absolutely. I was impressed with Raquel's performance as well. She did good. She had a spot where she was carrying. Raquel's always impressive. Yeah. She's a. She's a. Ma- that's a. In the nicest way possible, in the best way possible, she's a massive woman. She is. <laughs> I said this last. I said this last podcast, but yeah, she is. She just towers over everyone out she's, there. She's yeah. She the, her her physique would really put some guys to shame. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, especially me. Shit. <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I like I said, I was working out in the same gym as her one time, and I was feeling very shameful looking over at her. I was like, dang, yeah. <laughs> I gotta put in this work. That motivated you more. Absolutely. You're like, oh, if she can do it, then damn it, I'm yeah. gonna. She was. I mean, again, she was in all back stuff because you know. Well, yeah, of course. Queen. Well, uh, uh, as bad as it sounds creative doesn't have much for her right now her back is essentially her gimmick that's money her back is money man it is it really is but she did well she had a spot where if she, she was, ends uh, up being released from wwe at least she could become just a fucking back model yeah. boom if there there's go. a market for that if they're yeah absolutely she can which but, how have they not put her on muscle and fitness or women's fitness or whatever or women's health magazine yet because she has the body for someone to be like Boom, because like they've had wrestlers on uh, Muscle and Fitness several times. She needs some sort of a push. I know that. I don't know when it's gonna be, but I think it'll be soon. She she's she's fantastic. I would give it post wrestle, like after WrestleMania, they'll probably start giving her a push. I, I was trying to name the spot where she she was carrying two people. She had one person she was carrying on her back, and one person she was carrying from the front. I can't remember who it was, but I mean, it just showed you she's by far the strongest out of the women there, and it's not even yeah. not even particularly close. Right? She did well. And then it came down to Asuka and, oh goodness, who was the last, who was the, Carmella. Asuka and Carmella, actually. Carmella was the second to last one in the ring. I can't believe that. Yeah, there was I, a time when Carmella actually I had a women's be, championship run, and it was about as memorable as you'd think it'd be. I thought it was Ra- going to be Raquel or Liv, but I was surprised it was Carmella, and Asuka put her out with ease. So yeah, it was, it, was, it was a decent match. It was obvious that Asuka was going to win, as you mentioned on the last podcast, but... I am very excited to see that WrestleMania match between her and Bianca. I think that would oh, be yeah. fantastic. It's going to be interesting because Bianca's never faced anyone a character like that before. I predict, and I mean we'll have our WrestleMania predictions, but at this point I think it's very possible Bianca drops the belt to Oh, no, that's entirely my prediction. Yeah. Like if they're going to have – the thing is Bianca's been built up so much. She's like in Super Cena territory. So for anyone to take her down, it has to be someone really believable. And this Asuka – Oh, it's, it's just believable for so, sure. So, oh yeah, like she is a monster, monster. All right, so a pretty decent women's elimination chamber match, followed by a cool down period. I hate that this match is the cool down. Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar with Lashley winning via disqualification. Which I did say Lashley was going to win, so I am proud of that one. However, that was one of the worst pay-per-view matches I've personally ever seen. Really? It was just... Oh, it lasted like four minutes. It was nothing but finishers, which... Brock, Brock Lesnar, yeah. A Brock match is usually yeah. nothing but finishers That's anyways. exactly what Brock is. It was a couple of hurt locks, and Bro- uh, Bobby got kicked in the nards. <laughs> and then after the match, Brock was so mad, he did a couple of F5s. Threw Bobby um, into the more than a couple of F fives. He uh, was into the table, into the yeah, into the announcer's yeah. table to Bobby, and then he F fived the referee once, and then he improvised by F fiving the referee again into the announcer's table to try to get a bigger pop from the crowd. 
I, I have you heard the news that apparently that second ref bump was, was not planned. Yeah, that was saying. him. And I'm like, man, that ref probably got a hell of a pay raise for having to take that bump because that's not what refs typically take. No, and I'm telling you, man, it was just because the crowd reaction was so just dead to the whole match, and it wasn't a good match in general. But I mean, two guys like that. The, I mean, that's two of the biggest, strongest guys WWE's got. You gotta put on a better match than a five-minute yeah. match that ends in a disqualification. Like, After are you that, me? I have, I already had no idea what they had planned for Brock at WrestleMania, and now I definitely don't because I was wondering, oh, how are they going to follow up the Brock and Bobby match? Skipping ahead a little bit to Raw, did you hear who's challenging him next week? So help me, if Brock, yes, I heard who was. You heard about him. it. If oh that's the WrestleMania match, so help me, I I am taking the longest piss break you have ever seen. Brock in your versus Omos, life. like this is not you know. Here's here's what I want. Okay, you want my bold prediction? You know what I want? They are clearly building up, bringing the hurt business back. Yeah, and they've pretty much. I feel like they've unofficially done it already. How MVP has been talking to Bobby Lashley. Omos is in the hurt is in the hurt business. If they end up bringing the whole thing back, bring uh, but sh- put Shelton Benjamin up in there, put um, uh, Cedric Alexander up in there. Get the entire group of the hurt business back together, and have like a five on one handicap match against Brock, and just see how he fares with that. Because I feel like that's the only way you can make Brock more interesting is like have him go up against a bunch of dudes or i would settle if that's extreme i would settle for omos and lashley and a tag team handicap against brock you could even suggest at this point because they obviously on smackdown last friday they brought out bray wyatt to kind of confront i forgot that and lesnar you i forgot that if you wanted to be really bold oh boy you could predict a hurt business versus wyatt family little five-on-five type of match. I don't think they're going to bring the the Wyatt family back because, you know, Brody's dead. But, like... Well, here's what I'll say. Maybe it's not the Wyatt family, or what is it? What The the Firehouse... The Fire Firefly Funhouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whatever that... that those those characters. Yeah, uh, I will I, say I, you're, this. You're, you're still new. You, you, you mix them up, but it's all right. They've got to do something with Bray. They've got to do something with Bray because they've been trying... They've been dragging out this Bray stuff for so long now. It just feels to me like it's getting stale... They need to do something with him that gives him a cohesive storyline because it's just, it's every every single week, it's ambiguous promo after ambiguous promo. Sorry, sorry. I heard you say Bray Wyatt and like an actual storyline put together. And uh, how'd you word it? A what kind of storyline? Cohesive. Cohesive? Yeah. Bray Wyatt and cohesive do not go together. That that's the problem. Never though. ever. But no, this is not a new thing. Every single gimmick that Bray has ever had, it is just every single thing makes you wonder more and wonder more. Endless what cliffhangers. It's endless cliffhangers, and, and at we some ne- point, there's never any closure for nope. any of it. At some point, so, they gotta do something. That's, if you think WrestleMania is going to be the blowoff, uh uh-uh. uh. Oh no 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 no! Not WrestleMania, but maybe I don't know SummerSlam, maybe something like that. Oh, God, we have to go through all of it for SummerSlam, and this is coming from the biggest Bray Wyatt fan, and like, I wouldn't say ever, but in our area, I was yeah. <laughs> the biggest Bray Wyatt fan, and even I'm just thinking, come on, man, like, where are we going with this? Because I really like you, and I want to keep liking you. 
But all that being said, the next match, what were we going to say? I was just going to agree with what you were saying. Yeah, I, I just love Bray, but at some point, it's got to go somewhere. And it's got to stop being cliffhangers every episode. Continue. Up next was the Judgment Day up against the Grit Couple of fellow Canadians, um, Edge and Beth Phoenix. And the Grit Couple ended up winning. And it's pretty cool because I, 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 you watched it, but I didn't get to, I didn't get to watch it. But I heard that very quickly and very frequently there were "fuck you, Dominic" chants. Like I actually didn't hear those. That's you didn't hear those? Yeah, no, they were, they were, they happened quickly and then they happened frequently. And I'm happy that they still managed because part of me is like, oh, Rhea's going into WrestleMania. You know, she's got to look tough. And so they made her look stronger and still like a legitimate threat by not having her take the pin. So she's still coming out of this unscathed, but it was a great little Toronto moment for Beth and Edge. What'd you think of the match itself? Montreal. Montreal? Yeah. I said Montreal. You said Toronto. I said Toronto. He's from Toronto. I'm sorry. Gotcha. Edge is from Toronto. And I actually don't think Beth Phoenix is Canadian at all. I think I completely (laughs) messed that up. But it was a great Canadian moment. It was a great Canadian moment, eh? Yes, when they stood up on the ropes together, and that was cool. Oh, yeah. I I enjoyed that for sure. Oh, yeah, it was a pretty good one, eh? Well, yeah, it was a great match. I mean, there was a lot of good spots. There was a cool spot where they were... You had Rhea and Finn both about to tap out, and they both held each other up so they didn't tap out. Um, I'm telling you, man, at Edge's age, that dude can still go. That yeah. dude can still go. And even even moving ahead, even skipping ahead to Raw a little bit this past, uh, just yesterday, I guess, his match against Theory, dude can still, I mean, he can still yeah. wrestle like nobody's business, man. He is uber talented. And I just love the Edge is doing what he should be doing at his age. Yeah. He is showing up not just to become, like, a huge star. He's already a star, but he's using his stardom to build up other talent. Yep. I would say that ever since his match a couple WrestleManias ago against Randy Orton, it seems like he's almost exclusively been working with people he's never worked with before or people who are... You know, still trying to get their name out there. Yeah. So it's really awesome because the Judgment Day is, he started as like the leader of the Judgment Day and now everyone in the Judgment Day are like up and coming people that still haven't become like big stars yet. Yeah. So, I mean, I would even lump Finn Balor in there because I don't think he's really broken that ceiling yet. So. He was fantastic as well. Oh, he he's Street always Street. fantastic as his thing. Like Finn is an incredible wrestler. But the Grit Couple ended up winning, which led us into the next one. What I have heard several people say is, like, could be contender for Match of the Night. I think there are two that people usually vote for Match of the Night. It's the match after this one and this one, the Elimination Chamber match for the United States Unistersal Championship. United States Championship with Seth Rollins, Damian Priest, Austin Theory, um, Bronson Reed, Johnny Gargano, and Montez Ford. Austin Theory is champion, and he retained. Favorite part about this match was that every single person looked like a million bucks. Oh, Everyone yeah. looked oh, yeah. good. Even Priest, even Bronson Reed, they both looked good. Obviously, the highlights of the night were Montez's spot from the top of, or of the of the fight, where Montez's spot from the top of the ceiling, the top of the chamber, 
falling down onto the rest of the the other five or other four. Oh. It's fantastic. Uh, Logan Paul interfering when Montez got hurt, it hurt, leaving quote, the unquote. chamber open for a little bit longer. I totally bid on that. I totally bid on it. Didn't realize it was a work. I thought he looked like he was in. A bad I know because you were texting me because since I wasn't watching live, I just ended up seeing your text with absolutely no context when yeah. I woke up, and I saw you talking about, "Is this a work? Yeah, I think it's a work." And then next thing you know. <laughs> Paul yeah, comes out. I'm I, like, wow! I actually got to watch him get worked in real time. It was. I got absolutely fooled, bamboozled, hoodwinked, completely hoodwinked, run amuck, led astray. <laughs> I got run amuck, led astray. I, I like that. It, it was. It was. It was beautifully done. Montez sold that very, very well. He looked like someone who had a concussion. Like he looked like they. I mean, he could not stand on his own two feet. It was well done. Logan Paul to the to the naked eye. Logan Paul coming in and interfering, costing Seth Rollins the match at the end against Theory. Seems a bit overdone, seems rushed, seems kind of anticlimactic to the way that chamber went. But they only have so much time left yeah. to set that up and build yeah. that up before WrestleMania. And according to reports, it's 100% going to happen. Uh, yeah, I think so- I think they're doing it pretty well because, you know, Logan Paul's a busy guy, so he's not going to show up for every single show. Uh, and... I mean, they did they, they did it well. It's like you have the two big events. There are like two big events that lead up to WrestleMania. It's the Royal Rumble. It's the Elimination Chamber. And for those two big events that the most eyes are going to be on, Logan Paul ended up costing Seth Rollins twice. Yes. And that's all it takes to build a story. Yep. And now, like even fast-forwarding into Raw, and I like that we keep referencing Raw. That way we don't get to cover it as much when we're done with all this. But Raw, like Seth Rollins his character is really evolving because he's so thrown off by everything Logan Paul's been doing. Cause he's had two huge opportunities, an opportunity at a WrestleMania main event and a championship match and an opportunity to become United States champion. And Logan Paul is the one that ruined both of them. And you can see that it's really taking its toll on him. Yeah. When he started like absolutely flipped out in his match against the Miz, hit him with three stomps and beat the Miz so bad that he, that, Rollins won the match by them having to call it. Yeah, that rarely happens in wrestling. I can't remember so, ever seeing that happen in a match. I've I, watched I think live. The, I think the last time I saw it happen in a match I watched live, it was like kind of a a finish. The finish made no sense, and it was, wouldn't you know it, Seth Rollins versus the Fiend Bray Wyatt. Oh, nice. So that match, a Hell in a Cell match, was easily one of the worst matches ever. But yeah, no, I. I really I, I like that they had still had Theory win. I think yeah. that's really going to set up for um, the rumored John Cena match, which he'll be back in two weeks on Raw. So, oh, he has March, been announced for that Raw, March sixth. Yeah, so something's cooking for sure. Something's Honestly, like I'm very happy that a lot of other folks have been able to shine ever since Cena left the spotlight. But at the same time, I miss seeing him at WrestleMania. I think of WrestleMania and I think John Cena. So that. even if he's doing just the slightest thing, it makes me happy that he's going to be there. It's like just it's John Cena is like a comfort item for for my generation, you know. Got to respect Cena too for continuing to show up for WWE. I mean, dude's a megastar. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't say that as much for other certain megastars that don't continue to make time for WWE. Right. But you know that's that's neither here nor there. It's cool that Cena's coming back, and it's cool that barring anything crazy, it looks like it's going to be Theory Cena at WrestleMania. Which I think is going to be an awesome match. Oh, absolutely. Now for the most anticipated match of the entire night. 
Everyone knew it was going to be the main event, obviously, because it's the most compelling storyline in wrestling in years. We talked about it en masse last episode. It's Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn. Another contender for match of the night. I've heard it's either this one or the men's chamber match. And a lot of people have been singing the praises of this match. I'm jealous that you got to see it live and I have yet to watch it. What'd you think of the Sammy versus Roman match? If it had ended the way people wanted it to end, it would be the un- undeniable match of the evening. Yeah. But a lot of people were disappointed with the result, which I understand. I don't know why anyone expected that he was going to win it. To, to end this reign on a B show... It just what didn't make sense to me, but I mean, I can see why people had high hopes. In it was a yeah, it was a fantastic match, lots of emotion. I believe the standing ovation Sammy got was over five minutes long when he came out to the ring. I heard that it's actually the um, longest ovation in that um, auditoriums or that in that stadium's history. Oh, well, that's cool. That's yeah, awesome. so that, that, that's an actual statistic that they ended up tracking. Like, it was over five minutes, so that's the longest continuous ovation in that building's history, which is crazy that Sammy can hold that um, uh, record. Hottest I've ever seen a crowd for any match ever, at least personally. Maybe punk scene in Chicago. Ooh, it was some punk scene. Other than that, wow. Other than that, I can't think of another match where the energy was that electric. It was, I mean, it was palpable. You could feel it through your television set. It was crazy. I don't necessarily think the. I don't necessarily. <laughs> sorry, I I wasn't trying to react. I, my throat just made the grossest noise. I heard I'm it. Sorry. I can hear it. It's okay. I know. I know. Everyone can hear it. That's why I was apologizing. <laughs> I don't necessarily think people are wrong to be disappointed. I do think it was a bit naive to get hopes up as much as people yeah. did. I the story was set up nicely. It was his hometown. It was, you know, the conclusion of a almost almost a year long storyline. It could have been. But it's like we predicted on our last podcast. It looks like it's going to divert to a tag team titles match. Yeah, that was your prediction. Yeah, and it looks like yours might be the more uh, viable one right now. Given the events of Raw and Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn last night, Kevin confronting Sammy, it looks like over the course of the next month, they're going to build that relationship back up, and that's going to be the match. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos. So many twists during that match, though. I mean, it went on almost like 30 minutes. And how they were trying to, they were pretty much running it back to what happened at the Royal Rumble, where they're about to, after the match, they're about to whoop up on Sami Zayn. And this was after the match, wasn't it? Where, oh, no, 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 no. It was during the match. Sorry, where um, Jey Uso ended up standing between Sammy and Roman because Roman was about to hit him with a chair. Roman hands it to Jey like he did to Sammy. Yep. And Sammy accidentally spears Jey, letting Roman hit a spear and retain. So we're already telling a story in the finish. Three different re- three different referees were used. Yeah. To be, or not three different referees. Three times referees were not... Two referees got knocked out, so they had to, yeah. One of the one of the referees came back to actually end the match. I don't like how consistently Roman's matches throughout this reign tend to end with some sort of referee interference, a referee getting knocked out, a referee being pulled out of the ring, like Solo Sokoa did at a, Clash at the it's Castle. It's almost like that's how 
his reign works. It's almost like that's how the tribal chief is doing business. He just wants to keep the title. He doesn't care how he does it. That's why he has all his whole family here and he's manipulating them to be, you know, to help support him in everything that he's doing. So he has them there to win matches by any means necessary. So I think that really plays into his character, which is why if the bloodline is blown up come WrestleMania, or at least most of the way there, him not having his lackeys there to tamper with the matches means it'll just be him and Cody, and that'll make it an even harder challenge. That will be. Who knows? It could still be a triple threat. You never know. Never know. Oh, and then KO came out and helped Sammy and did... That was one of the problems I had with the match, I will say. What's that? What did not make sense was why Kevin Owens waited until after the match was over to come to Sammy's defense. That was confusing. I heard an me. argument about that, but I don't remember the argument, so I don't want to butcher it, but I have to t- share it with I, you off camera. I just, I just, I didn't think about it in the moment, but then I looked back and I was like, you know what? That is kind of weird. That doesn't make that much sense. It's obviously building towards something, but that was my one big complaint. I, my way of explaining it is, you know how he ends up saying at Raw yesterday on Monday where um, he said... I didn't do it for you, like saving you. I didn't do it for you. I did it for me, and I did it for my family who had to witness that happen to me, and I did it for your family so they didn't have to see the same thing happen to you. Mm. So I think he's specifically talking about the post-match beatdown because that's what they did to him. He didn't care what happened during the match. Like, during the match, he could do his own thing, but he saw what was coming. He saw that Sammy was about to suffer the same fate he did. He thought about his family and said, no, I don't want them to have to go through that, too. And that's when he sprung into action. That's a good point, actually. I didn't put it together with what he said on Raw, but yes. And also, the world's worst beatdown attempt by Paul Heyman, and one of the worst stunners I've seen in recent memory. (laughs) I'm going to have to disagree with you, actually. I thought Paul sold that pretty darn well, given his stature and age. Yes, I thought he did not do a terrible job. (laughs) I have to go back and revisit it. I remember what most, uh, the thing that most people are showing is the little attempt at hitting his back. Like, it looks like he's giving him a very aggressive, like, massage. massage. Yeah. It, it was, it was, I saw that and I was like, there's no way this man's actually doing this right now. Oh, yep, he is. And I saw the stunt. Yep, he's taking a stunner. Okay, yep. <laughs> I didn't think it was horrible given who Paul Heyman is and again, his stature and age. But yeah, it was a interesting touch to the match to say the very least. All in all, four and a half stars out of five. But it was fantastic. Just a couple of pieces. Maybe could have been done a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. And it's not the conclusion to the storyline. Oh, People no. People are always saying, you know, oh, how are you going to end the storyline like that? Well, it's not over yet. Yeah, oh, it's no, oh, oh, it is nowhere near over. No. It is nowhere near not over. And that's what excites me, because there's still so much more story that could be told. And I've never seen such a consistently entertaining and well-written storyline. Yeah. It is just so good. Like, it is competing with, like, some actual TV shows that, like, with, like, actual sets and you know, traditional television for a wrestling program, a little carny wrestling program to be competing with like some of the soap operas that you see on TV. It's like Michael Cole said, Roman deserves an Emmy for the role he's played in all of this. He really does. I don't really know if I completely agree with the Emmy thing, but <laughs> I share the same sentiment. If wrestling could get Emmys, I would, I would totally agree with that. But just yes. the thought itself is ridiculous, but well, I think we've selfishly, honest, I would say. I think now we've covered that. We've covered. We've honestly covered what happened with Raw. To be honest, mostly. I mean, most of it about the. Okay, there's one other thing from Raw that I want to talk about that I'm super excited about. I know you're. Gonna talk and about. you know exactly what I'm talking about. Ding the dong, news. hello. Oh. The episode of Ding dong, hello. 
I thought you were going to talk about the Miz, talking about his half-court shot that he made at the Celebrity All-Star Game. That little throw-off, that little one-off line? Yeah, because you, you love the Miz, and you thought that shot was really cool that he did at the... I thought the shot was great, yeah, and I straight up told you we're never going to hear the end of it, nope. because, like... I, w- I wouldn't, I don't blame him. Well, was, yeah. sick. I it mean, even, count, even if still. he wasn't in character, like, yeah, that gives you something to brag about. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, no... Did you watch the episode of Ding Dong Hello with I, Bailey? I did not get a chance <gasps> to. Are you serious? Yes. All right. Well, she had an episode of Ding Dong Hello with um, Damage Control. And she was chatting this with This is them. where Becky and Lita came Becky out. Becky and Lita and, yes, challenging for Dakota the titles. And, yes, Scott, oh, yes. my God. As soon as... I, like, I was scrolling through um, all the stuff that happened on Raw, and I was seeing, oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, a nice Cody promo. Okay, and the Cody promo was incredible. It's like, oh man, really good Cody promo. Paul, the Paul promo was incredible too. The Paul Heyman. Yeah, Paul. Neck brace and all. Yeah, Paul's promo with the crazy neck brace. Yeah. He couldn't wear it properly because he doesn't have a neck. <laughs> and just wondering, oh man, what's going on there? But then like looking all sorts of ridiculous, but cutting an incredible promo. That was great. But seeing Becky and Lita, at first I saw they were having a photo shoot together. I'm like, why are they doing a photo shoot together? They look adorable, but what are they doing? And then I keep scrolling and I see the two of them in the ring and like uh, Dakota Kai and Io Sky holding their titles up in front of them. I'm like, there's no freaking way. And I was losing it, dude. Because Becky Lynch is already like my all-time favorite, not only just favorite women's wrestler, might be one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Fell in love with her from the moment I got back into wrestling in 2016 and saw Survivor Series. I loved her character immediately and she was someone completely different back then. And Lita, even though I missed the boat on that because I was born too late and never really got to see Lita in her prime. It happens. I, even having hardly seen any of her matches in their entirety, just her association with the Hardy Boys and her punk rock kind of don't give a shit about nothing kind of attitude and her crazy moonsault she was already one of my favorites from that era because she was so counterculture at the time. She was like the page of that time. So to see the two of them with their fiery red hair and attitudes to match teaming up, it's like my favorite from the past and my favorite from now coming together. So I, I, I do not know if they're going to win the titles in their challenge next week, but... I really think they're going somewhere with having Lita and Becky Lynch either. <gasps> the team breaks up. Lita versus Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. That would be nice. Ooh. That would be cool. I just came up with that just now, and I want it more than anything. You think the team would break up during this match coming up? Is what you're thinking? I would say they give them maybe one other match. Maybe. Yeah, like Maybe one other match for them to have a miscommunication or something, but I don't know. They have to tell a good story. Even if it's a simple one of why there's a miscommunication and why they're going to start whooping up on each other. I doubt it's it's not going to be a blood feud by any means. No. It'll be I, more an intentional dream match. Yeah. And I think, I think to be honest, did you see Lita come back a couple weeks ago when she came back? Yeah. And I am and, and I knew for a fact that wasn't a one-off thing. No, 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 no. I like knew it, she yeah. was going to come back in some fashion, but I didn't know it was going to be. I should have predicted it would be challenging the tag champions, but I it was just off my radar. Yeah, it was it was it's uh, what they're doing with her and Becky. I think it'll, it'll pan out really well. Definitely have some sort of WrestleMania payoff, whatever that may be. And have Lita to see Lita do it. Oh, I'm just I'm just thinking of all this as we're talking about it. It makes me so excited. If you could see me, if we were on camera, you would see that I look like a giddy little schoolgirl right now. I am like because dude, seeing Lita 
And seeing her have a WrestleMania entrance after probably the last WrestleMania she was in was like maybe if she was in a WrestleMania probably would have been 04, 05. Yeah. And how big and grandiose and incredible the pageantry has gotten since then. She will be getting the stars treatment when she's coming out. So I think, oh, it's just going to be so good. That, that, that could have the potential of being match of the night in my eyes if they play it right. If it happens at WrestleMania. Yeah. But I think that's pretty much everything on Raw. Some little odds and ends happened. They have um, this whole thing with Otis and the maximum male models. Otis is more man, more maximum, and more model than either of those two doofuses could ever dream of. Honestly, I didn't give a crap about maximum male models until they introduced Otis. And now I'm like, you have the comedy character to play as a foil um, for them. So, like, I'm not going to say it's going to be... A storyline I'm super invested in, obviously, no, but, they, but they I have with... always loved Otis. Always loved him. I've found him hilarious, but also can put up, can be really entertaining in the ring. He's like, he is a cartoon character, and he does it so well. So I'm, I'm glad they're finally giving him something. And if Otis can, if they do something with Otis and the maximum male models, and that gives a chance for more. Chad Gable gets plenty of solo matches. He just loses them all. Yeah. They book him to lose them all, which ticks me off because he's great. I feel ring. so sorry. So sorry for Chad Gable. I would love to see him get a good push if he's not a part of Alpha because Academy anymore. You know, you know how, do you know how Chad Gable got his start on the main roster? No. He was part of American Alpha, and all of his tag teams have pretty much had the same theme, like the all-American uh, amateur wrestler type deal. But... It was American Alpha with him and this one other guy called Jason Jordan. And they ended that's, up... That's Kurt Angle's son. Exactly. That was the storyline. And maybe down the line after the Kurt Angle's son storyline was done, maybe they could go on their kind of solo careers and then Jason Jordan and Chad Gable would reunite stronger than they were before and have a really good American Alpha run because they both have it in them, especially with this booking. But that's not going to happen because Jason Jordan was put into an early retirement and will probably not be back in the ring ever again, which is incredibly disappointing because I'm not going to lie, even though they weren't my favorite, I liked American Alpha. I thought they were a great team. And so that's what they're trying to do with Otis. They took two great guys from two very promising teams and then put them together. And I just, I just don't know if they work that well together because Otis was part of heavy machinery. With um, this one guy, Tucker. I forget what his full name is. He, they were just going by Otis and Tucker. He was like, yeah, Tucky! <laughs> it was so fun. They had a great little kind of a... He was like the Chris Farley to his, like, I guess, Adam Sandler or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm try- I want to get behind them so bad. They just they need to give them something good because they're both so entertaining on their yeah, own. Yeah, absolutely they are. I guess the last thing that we have since we covered Raw is, oh, yeah, this is the last thing. To take a look at the preview of SmackDown, as of now, to see what kind of things we can expect. Rey Mysterio versus Karrion Cross. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm disappointed because I like Cross when he first came back. I, I know, like but like... Here, like I'm this, telling you what, shave his head and he'll be a hundred times better. This is something you're going to learn about WWE. They sometimes have, no matter who's booking it, no matter who's at the helm, 
They have this incredible talent who's really picking up steam, really picking up steam. Because there was a while there, like maybe a couple months ago, when Karrion Cross, people were really popping for him and we were really getting a reaction. And they have this great, here, it's right here in the palm of my hand. Here it is, an incredible, like you could turn this guy into a star, at least give him something really good. The crowd is getting behind him. Only you, Mr. McMahon, you, Mr. Levesque, you just need to, you know, be as behind him as they are. And then they just, nope. They just don't strike the iron while it's hot, and then he just burns out. And I feel like that's kind of I don't want to I don't want to bury him too soon. But the downfall started with the strap match. And yeah, ex- was it Extreme Rules. Yeah, um, was it Extreme? I rules? think it was Extreme Rules. Maybe it wasn't Survivor. Might story. have been Extreme Rules. Yeah, that that was the downfall. The da- that match was not very good with Drew McIntyre. Um, every match with him seemed to always end in interference from his wife, Scarlett. Yeah. Which I have my opinions on Scarlet. Which the th- but... the th- the thing the thing is, Carrion, he is such a huge monster heel. The fact that and like Shave a his massive head. massive Shave dude. His head. But here's the thing: He's so much more. Why do they have Scarlet get involved in the matches so much when that man, if you look at him, can clearly carry his own? Put him in the brawn position, where just bring these little guys to him and let him just smash them in yeah. like record time. Get these squash matches going. So you can start building him up into, oh, I took out all these guys, and I'm just going to... He just wallops them out. Give him the brawn or, like, the Brock Lesnar treatment, where, like, you just put him with somebody, he just completely demolishes them, and has his hand raised in victory. Make a beast out of him. Yeah. He is totally a beast character with a beast of a theme song and an entrance. Like, everything else is there. Just give him the push. Dude gets an entire theatrical entrance every time he steps into the ring. Bow and pray it's so great yes it is. god it's so good and it's all black and white and stuff yeah yeah then we have on smackdown bray wyatt with a new edition of the firefly funhouse something that i was so excited about Rhea and charlotte meet face to face for the first time and we have fallout from the elimination chamber so i think it's going to be a pretty darn good Darn Obviously, Roman will be there. Uh huh. And, and we're going to hopefully get some answers between the Roman and Jay scenario. And let's just see how else they build the WrestleMania. Got three or four weeks to do it. So, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. WrestleMania season is in full swing. You can expect a lot more awesome wrestling content. And we even have some ideas. Well, I have some ideas for YouTube videos that I haven't even told Trey yet. So, Ooh. just love to get some more content out there for everybody for WrestleMania season. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us so you don't miss a single episode. And as always, I'm Ian. And I'm Trey. And we will see y'all next week.